coming into an organization, I see this a lot in my coaching work, people coming in and feeling as if I've got to prove myself. I've got to get validation that I'm smarter and that I've got to like show I'm going to just change everything here without really taking time to understand context, to understand what's really going on, to understand the talent, the people that are there. I'm Janet Ioli, and you're listening to Power Presence Academy, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. If you're looking for leadership mentoring, advice, or just a dose of inspiration, I've got you covered. Join me as I share leadership tips and lessons of experience from experts and from executives at the top of their game. This is your go-to place for all things leadership. It doesn't have to be lonely at the top. Let's go. Sean, thanks a lot for being here today. Thanks, Janet. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about Sean. Sean Purvis is currently the CEO of Kinetic US, a world-class tech development and engineering research company. She has over 25 years of senior leadership experience at major aerospace and defense companies, including roles as a senior vice president at SAIC and top executive C-suite roles at Northrop Grumman. So with that, Sean, I'm going to ask you what I ask everybody when they get on the show. The very, very first question is, how'd you get here? You know, people are always like, okay, all these titles, you know, all this great stuff that this woman has done. What the heck? What's your story? So, Dylan. I love that intro question. And thank you. I look forward to our conversation today. I think the way I would say that I started, I started at Lockheed Martin, came out of college, interviewed into the contractor, government contractor space. And what was most powerful was that at Lockheed, they had a leadership development program. And that program was a series of rotations. And so you went to customer sites, you went to different kinds of contracts. I was a computer science major, so you coded, but you also did testing, et cetera. What it really taught me, though, in that four years was how to come into a program, very quickly understand what the program needed, how could I add value, deliver that value, right? And then move on to the next piece. Because we had a performance review at the end of each, each rotation. So about in every six months to once a year, you're getting reviewed, you know, at a formal performance review. And what I love about it is that if I apply it today on jumping into new assignments or jumping into new roles, you know, without the full detail of exactly how to deliver, what that program really allowed me to do is to break it down, figure out what the actual requirement is, what's the business need of the customer, deliver that, and then ensure that she can make success on the outcome. That set the foundation for who I am today and how I've been able to come in and manage, you know, the multiple roles and assignments and companies that I've had the opportunity to participate in. Wow. Well, I will say I have known you for many years, Sean, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that story. That's that's powerful. I didn't realize that how that foundational leadership development had such an impact on you. If you could give your early career self some advice, all right, what would be that advice you would give that person, that younger Sean starting out? 
Yes, absolutely. I would tell my younger self to enjoy the journey. And enjoying the journey means you have to enjoy the challenges just as much as you have to enjoy the success, right? And I feel earlier in my career, I was so stressed to make any mistake, one mistake, big mistake. And I would run through all the iterations of what I should have said or what I should have done or how I could have done this different. And did you realize that in each one of those scenarios and situations, I was learning something. I was gaining knowledge. I was getting a gem of something that I would absolutely use in the future when the next time, you know, that kind of opportunity came forward. So I would really say to myself, it's all right. I'll breathe a little, enjoy it a little, right? Learn from it and know that you can have goodness, but you can also have critique and challenge and you can learn and enjoy it, right? Because all of those components are going to be used as you get to the next role in your future. I did not do that very well. I stressed a tremendous amount. I worried a lot about every little component to it to try and uh, get to perfection. And when you really are trying to get perfection, you don't allow yourself to lean out, right? a little further than what you're comfortable with. So you stay in this box of where you think you can absolutely deliver. But perfection is unnecessary in the world that we're in because you're always going to do something. You're always going to learn something new. And that means you're going to have some challenges along the way. We tell ourselves early career self that. And what I find is that we need to tell the current self that, right, as a reminder that thing, exactly. I don't know if that ever goes away. I don't know if that exactly. perfection drive has ever gone away for you. Yeah. It's certainly for me earlier. I mean, my high school career to the center, I was always one of those kind of straight A students. I did a roll right into the into the uh, career field, but it is a it's an important lesson that I try. And I also try to remember to create that space of learning and growth for my team. You know, so if I'm not creating that space for them to have a challenge and overcome then you try to just actually push that all the way down, that pressure all the way down. So it's important that you recognize it, but it's also important that you create the space for growth in your organization. I love that. I love that because that's so true, right? As, as leaders, we don't realize some of the behaviors that we're emulating. Like people will say to me, well, I'm my, my own worst critic. And so, but then I criticize everybody underneath me or, or all my peers or whatever. And so it just perpetuates. It's like, okay, great. So you're, you're privy to it too, but so is the whole team, right? Exactly. Dynamic, that dynamic. So I love that. Talk to me a little bit about any unique challenges. Do you think you've, you face any unique challenges being a woman in, or, you know, based on gender or even based on being a woman of color in the workforce? Absolutely. So, so. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, yeah. certainly in my field, so my field is government contracting in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area, in the kind of intelligence department of defense space. There are not a lot, especially when I started, there were not a lot of women and even less women of color in that field, right? And most are retired male military when I was coming up through the business. Like when I think about this first, my, my real first pressure of challenge I'm a mom of three beautiful young men. I'm a wife of 24 years. And, you know, the first time of really getting a senior role and trying to raise young kids, being in an environment as a woman, you know, be where meetings were very, very early in the morning or very late or visitor trips were a week long. I mean, my first challenge was just the balance of all of that. How do you do that? And even being 
feeling like I had a voice to say, I can't make that meeting. I can't take that trip. I didn't feel like I could do that. I And at the same time, trying to rush to get home to pick up kids and cook dinner or do homework. And, you know, I didn't feel like I could say I couldn't do that either. And so I found myself doing neither very well. <laughs> I wasn't doing any, any one of those roles very well. And what really changed was I had to lean in for support. Uh, my husband and my mom came in about midway through the beginning of my career where I was starting to travel more and take on more responsibility. And they took more of the house. They took more of the day-to-day schedule. They took the food and the boys and dinner and homework. And so not only did I have to lean in for help, I had to let go. Let perfection again, right? <laughs> I can't do everything, you know. Wow, was you know, newsflash, right? Exactly, right. Exactly how I would do it, and uh, but I can't do everything, and so I had to not only ask for help, get help, accept help, but then also have to let go of the guilt that I'm not, you know, superwoman. I'm not the one who can do all those components to it, and I think that's so important because we think we're in this. You know, senior job, and you are trying to do all of it. You are trying to be all of it, and then you're trying to do all of it at home. And the reality is, there are this, these these moments where you just simply can't do so. And if you ask for help, and you get help, and you don't use that beautiful blessing to then excel in your career, then it's a wasted opportunity, right? So I had to lean into the career that now I could go do because I had such a great support system at home. And that was a big piece of allowing me to unlock and, and really grow. It's amazing, you know, how difficult it is to ask for help, you know? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, that's what I'm hearing from your story. And it's like, we just, I don't know what it is. It's the control perfection. It's like, well, you know, we think we have to be the person doing it all and then yeah. feel like we're not doing it good at all and doing anything good at all. So yeah, I just love the way you bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I really I stress that and I share that. And most importantly, I share that because so many people will come up and say, oh, my goodness, how did you, you know, raise three boys and get to this role and, and all of those components? And, and I'll think a lot of on the outside, especially women, think that we are, we've done it all ourselves. I, I think it's important that we say, I really did not. <laughs> I did not do it all. I could not have done this without support. And, you know, as you talk about challenges, so you talk about the balance, one of the things I hear a lot, and you and I have talked about this in the past, so I'm, I'm interested in hearing your perspective today on this. There was a 2020 KPMG Women's Leadership Summit report that came out, and it said, okay, 75% of female executives experience what we call, well, we call it the imposter syndrome, right? Where you have intense feelings of inadequacy and self-doubt about your abilities. I mean, it's pretty deep. It's And it's not really a syndrome. It's a phenomenon, but we like to call it a syndrome. And they're not really able to internalize their success, right? So mm-hmm. there's like these intense feelings of, you know, maybe I'm not worthy for this role. Maybe, maybe they're going to find me out. I'm a fraud, all of those. Have you experienced that? And if you have, can you talk about it? And if you haven't, tell us what you did to not experience this. Uh, okay. So let's hear a little bit about your yeah. perspective on this. Yeah, absolutely. I both experienced it. I would say I still experience it. You know, your what you find very quickly is that your level and your title is absolutely irrelevant to the voice in your head that you know telling you what you're not doing or what you're not able to do. What I remember the most 
where I'd be sitting in these rooms and it would seem like everyone around the table knew all the answer, (laughs) except for me. And I would think, well, how do they know that? How do they know all of those different names and acronyms and programs and the history and you know, and I, and so I would I would really sit there comparing myself to the those in the room or what it felt like anyway that they had all the answers prepared and and I wasn't sure how I would have which answered. isn't really true, right? I mean, I'm sure you found that out later that that isn't really true. They don't have all nobody has all the answers. And right. so, well, you find out two things. First, when you're when, when you're younger, you realize that half of what they said is not even real. <laughs> They're making it up. And in the second is many of those had been in roles in those same roles for a very long time, right? And so when you're when you're in a role for five, 10 years, you can speak from a different position versus stepping into a new role, especially a new leadership role, and you're new to the table. You learn a year from there, a two years from there, that you're gonna be able to have that same level of dialogue, that same level of conversation. Because you're going to get deep and see in whatever new role that you step into. But when I had those kind of feelings, especially in a new role, especially in a new promotion or a new yeah. role. And that's usually more often when that manifests, right? It's the newness of something. Yeah. I think for me, I learned a couple of things in terms of how to deal with that. I first learned to be aware when the voice was internal. You know, I actually name it. I have a name for the internal, you know, negative voice that I would say, stop, right? Um What's, what's the name? What's the name? Eva. So sorry. All the- <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Mine's Esmeralda, just so you know. I have a name. Right. <laughs> I would say Eva, no, stop, right? And 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 really try and quell that kind of voice that was telling me what I couldn't do. The second, one of the things you learn is that when you have a table full of phenomenal people, that's the best. You want the room to be at the highest level of legal and communications and, you know, HR and profit and loss and all of the different kind of roles and functions. You actually want uh, the team to be in their own right expert. And the best organizations create a good, diverse team that are in their own right, right, steep in experience and, and expertise in their own field of domain. There's no part of any of this business, even in the role I'm in today, that I could do by myself. I have certain knowledge. I have certain experience that I am shaped by my knowledge, my experience of things that I've gone through. But certainly my team that's around me, they also bring that also with them. And together, we're a much stronger team than if I was trying to do this ever on my own. And I think when you really accept that, when you deeply understand that in any job you're doing, it is a team. It is a team, even at the highest line. That's not all about you. Not all about you. It's not a lot. You actually don't have to be the smartest one in the room. You could ask a question that you think is the kind of dumb question because that's the expert sitting across from you. When you deeply believe that, it just releases this pressure of trying to present the front that I know every single thing. The second thing I'd, I'd say, is when I knew I was going into a form or a session and I wasn't quite sure, I didn't have all the knowledge, I would go find the person who knew and I'd meet with them before that session, right? And so whatever that topic may be, I would go get smart. No different than when you were in school and you had to crack open the book and you had to really take your time. Like for some reason, we feel like we do all of that 
research and learning when we're in school. And then we think we get into the workforce, so we're supposed to know everything. Right, 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 right. So go find someone who can explain it to you and listen to them and work with them. You know, you can do that behind the scenes so that if when you walk into the room, you feel like you are much more informed. That helps me that and continues to help me recognize that when I'm there and in, to be present, to acknowledge if I don't know, uh, to take the action, right? And to continually work to learn and develop um, myself and my team to be better. It's that transition that we are on a continuous journey of making, of realizing it's not all about me. And that self-focus, moving that self-focus away from even the thing you just mentioned earlier, right? That perfection, the, yeah. the, the, the having to know everything, that really isn't the role of a leader. And so, you know, that transition, though, takes time and it takes and it, I think it's a constant struggle. I mean, I think we're all struggling with that. So can you share something that maybe wasn't so pretty and polished that was a that you experienced that could have been a, characterized as a failure and what you learned from that? Because, again, what we're talking about is continuous learning. Absolutely. And I think we all have those, but we don't share that that happens. So we believe that, oh, well, they just, I don't know, magically had the magic potion that they drank and um, never failed at anything. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I had taken a new role, new company, joined a new company, taken a new role. And as I came into that role, it was in a field, it was in the intelligence space, which is the industry I'd been in. And that that particular team was in the heart of doing this proposal. They were bidding particular contract. I'd seen that right from the other company I'd come from. And so I was looking at what they had done. You can bring within the first two weeks of this new role, new position, new team. And I looked at it and I said, nope, that's absolutely wrong. Strategy's wrong. Uh, we should not be with this particular prime. You know, there was a prime and we were subcontracting. Uh, we should go over here. We broke an exclusive agreement. Basically, we broke our word of what well, this team word, what they were going to do. Uh, I was just adamant. I just knew how this was going to go. Now, mind you, the biggest challenge here was we had current work, current people of about 300 people on a program, right, that was moving into this new space. So long story short, we wrote this exclusive agreement. We we didn't sign as an exclusive with that particular prime, uh, and that particular prime won the contract. Oh, wow. wow. When they won the contract, um, they didn't honor any agreement, right? Because we, you know, for the 300 some odd people we had, I had to stand in front and say, you know, we lost your jobs and your opportunity. And what I ended up doing is I had to get in my car and drive to that, you know, prime contractors that my peer and really own the fact that it was not the team. It was not the team's fault. This was a really bad decision that I had made. And would be honored if you would take our folks and, and help us, you know, place our folks and, and give us anything back. I have never forgotten that. I've never forgotten the fact that, one, I didn't listen to my people. I didn't listen to the people who were doing the role, who were hired to do the role, but more importantly, who had been working on that particular opportunity for over a year. I mean, it, you know, astounding. The second, um, I really understood the fact that sometimes you have to just go on that journey with your team and allow your team to come through and give you the recommendation. You may not understand all of it, but you have to have trust in the people that you put into the role 
The third is when you make a mistake, you got to own it. You have to own it, right? And so for me to call, I own that. I own that to that, the, our people. We were able to place almost everyone, whether in our company or on the, the program in a different position. And I, you have to be able to stay in there. I, I didn't hide underneath. I say la vie. I didn't, you know, just walk away. I worked as hard as anyone else to place people because I had to own the fact that that was that was my mistake. I've never forgotten that. So one of the biggest things to do, even in the in any role I've done since then, when I go into a new organization, I tend to be quiet, <laughs> yeah. listening, listen, right? Yeah, to the team, you know, let them talk. I let the business kind of speak to me, and I may have an opinion you know, right away. But I really try my best to let the business speak to me, let the leaders, you know, speak to me and, and listen to an organization before I just insert what I think my astounding opinion to be. Right. I, first of all, I'm so glad you shared that because I don't think many of us own up to that. Right. And I, I could bet that there are many leaders listening to this that are resonating with what you just said, but may or may not have owned up to it. Also, the piece of coming into an organization, I see this a lot in my coaching work, people coming in and feeling as if I've got to prove myself. I've got to get validation that I'm smarter and that I've got to like show I'm going to just change everything here without really taking time to understand context, to understand what's really going on, to understand the talent, the people that are there. They couldn't have all been like, you know, some people will be like, well, I got to change everybody. Well, you know, wait a minute. So let me ask you this. What inspirational quote kind of encompasses the wisdom that you want to offer to the people or the leaders? And there's all the leaders that are watching or listening to this show today. So I love quotes. I love themes. I love, you know, this kinds of things that you read online or this book empower you, right, to think different and out the box. And when I think about one, so I have lots of clothes. I'll have to up in there. Right. I know. I pick one. But even if you have two, it's fine. By whatever. Um, I, have, I have two. So I think I have two. Great. The first one is a great quote that says, there's no force more powerful than a woman who's determined to rise. I love that quote, right? But I think when, when you are a determined woman in the midst of whatever situation you're in, you are a force to be reckoned with and you, you have to own that and believe in that. And I now tell people, right, stay in your power, sit in your power and understand you know, what you can bring and how you live forward uh, in a position or in an opportunity. And then the second quote is the strong actions for a woman is to love herself, be herself and shine amongst those who never believed that she could. I, I, my, what I can't do. Tell, you know, that to me is all I need in terms of motivation to be able to show up and be able to deliver. So, shining amongst those who never believed you could is a really powerful kind of underlying mantra to make to remember. I love those. That, you know, there's, I got the goosebumps as you were saying, right? It's like, go ahead, underestimate. <laughs> but it has the, the same type of thing. So, yeah, no, thank you. But I'd like to ask you, what parting words of wisdom would you give to women and even men who are trying to find their own leadership voice? 
I think finding your voice is it's everything we've talked about right through the discussion today. I think the most powerful piece for me is learning that in every role and even the role that I'm in today, there, there are certain things that, that I stepped into the role. If you had told me I was going to be doing, I probably would not have even offered my, my resume for the position. I wouldn't even interview for the position. When you're thinking about how to find your voice, tapping into your experience. And your experiences will all be good. You have to go through something to grow. You have to go through little scars, right, to get, to heal, to get stronger. You have to go through some challenges to be able to anticipate risk, but also to know that you can go through a challenge and still rise, right, and to come through that. When you've had no breaks, when you've had no issues, when you've had no imperfections, then what happens is the first time you get that, uh, you bring it, right? And you really don't want to have that in the in the most senior level. You really want to have to go through some of that through your career. When I think about finding your voice, leaning in and tapping into your body of experience, genuinely leaning in and tapping into your network. We did talk a lot about network today, but I will say to you, and uh, in addition to telling my younger self to enjoy the journey, I would tell her to grow and nurture and savor and cherish my network. And your network should be of all different types of people in all different roles and all different genders and all different backgrounds because you have to learn how to talk to individuals who don't look just like you, who didn't come just from your world, right? If you want to do these kinds of roles we're talking about, you'll talk to all kinds of individuals. And so your network should challenge you, should stretch you, and you should learn from it. You should get energized from it. So when you're finding your voice, your voice is a combination of those conversations, your experiences, and then the unwavering foundational belief that you are enough. You're enough. You have what it takes to go do that job, this role, that leadership, that position. You have all that you need to be given. And what you don't have, you have enough wisdom to go find it. So where'd you learn to be so wise, Miss Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> executive coach. <laughs> um, so, uh, so this is this has um, been phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your lessons with us today. I think that people who are listening to this will not only be inspired, but I think they will be better leaders just because of your of what you've shared today. So. Thank you, my wise woman. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening. And always remember this. Every single moment, you have a choice in what you say, what you do, and how you make people feel. Pause and make those choices wisely and intentionally. Because every single moment, those choices are who you become as a leader. See you next time.